0: Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. I am joined by Max and Terry. Gentlemen, we're we're feeling all right after after the big win, yeah?
1: Yeah, of course we are.
0: Happy with it? Uh, were either one of you able to actually go?
1: Yep. Yep. And for for some reason, I don't know of course why you did. my my 3G worked at the game. I was actually able to tweet at the game, which is a rare occasion. Terry will probably know, but when you're at Goodison on a match day, there's no chance you're able to to get onto the internet. But for some reason, beyond me, I don't know why, it managed to
2: work. Wow. I had to make the note of whatever seat that was and try to buy that every game. (laughs) There's one seat that does that then, and that must be a black hole for Signal.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's any... Almost every stadium I've ever gone to, be it a basketball game, a, a football game, anything, when I try to zip on into any kind of internet at all, it's usually either unbearably slow or non existent, mm. like every single time. Just because everybody's trying to share the same yeah. cell tower, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's how the science works. So, guys, we've got a pretty packed show. Uh, this time. So let's go ahead and summarize everything for the podcasters out there. We're going to be starting with the Southampton reaction because we won. And I think most of our reaction involves happiness. Hey. Uh, next, we got to talk about uh, the guy who wore the, wore the armband on Saturday, Mr. 60 Grand, Seamus. What do we think about him as captain? I'll give you a clue it's more happiness. So. <laughs> Uh, next, we'll be talking about uh, Adam Luckman because this whole thing with him in Leipzig just isn't going away, uh, and I think a big part of it is the fact that he's just not really showing up mentally. So we'll talk about that, and we'll finish up with some transfer rumors of days past. So let's let's go ahead and talk about the uh, the Southampton match, um, uh, Terry. Since it's you've you were uh, the one who's been it's it's been longer since you've been on. So if you could talk about uh, your man of the match and how you think uh, how you think things went.
2: Uh, yeah, it went really well. Like I I, would, I expected a victory. I mean, I don't know, it's a bit it's a bit bold to expect a victory when you're uh, in the second game, even if it is Southampton at home. But I don't know. I just I saw enough against Wolves to think that Silver had uh, had an impact on the players. Uh, and I just thought we'd have too much for them, and that turned out to be true. Um, Man of the match, um, there was a couple of candidates, but I'd probably go for uh, Sigurdsson. It was one of his best games for us so far. He was pulling all the strings. Some of the, well, the the move he did with Walcott was just unbelievable. But um, all throughout the game, he was showing glimpses of the player we bought. Like, what, the the player who was at Swansea, who... You could see flashes of brilliance and he was starting to bring that out against uh, Southampton. So I was uh, probably stumped for Sigurdsson, but there was a few candidates, Carnegie, uh, Richarlison, quite a few.
0: Max, same questions.
1: Well, as far as the man of the match goes, I do, I do agree that there were, there were a few candidates. Until that miss in the, in the move that Terry mentioned there, I was inclined to give Walcott my man of the match, but I think... Having the temper that I have to see someone miss a chance like that, I think yeah, you just you know someone else takes your place if you miss a chance like that. But uh, yeah, the the game was was fantastic, most definitely for forty five minutes. I thought the um, you know we were straight out the, off the blocks and we were the better team straight away. And I, I know Southampton fans weren't confident coming into it. They haven't beat us at home since ninety seven, but I think we just we boasted this confidence that we we showed glimpses of at Wolves and. Thankfully, with eleven men on the pitch, you know it was it was apparent that we were the better side and and, and fingers crossed going forward. That can be the case in many other games than when we play sides that we should be beaten
0: yeah i you guys have mentioned it earlier uh my man of the match was Ghana just yeah. just uh because I think I mean Schneiderling goes out and Davies comes in now. I I still like Davis, and I don't think he gave the ball away very often this weekend. He didn't. I don't think he underperformed, but he doesn't bring the exact same things as Davis. And I felt like Ghana stepped up even more when when Schneiderlin went out, uh, and he just seemed like he was everywhere. Uh, I it was it was awesome to see. It, it I mean I should be used to this, and it should be, you know, but because uh, he it's it's like an every game thing for him. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was. Stunning, the way he was yeah. like omnipresent. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of disappointing players for us. Um, I think my biggest disappointment was the fact that we did give them some chances. You know, there were some clean chances. Uh, and their goal was sort of laughable, how truly, truly open Hings was. And how, yeah. you know, uh, so... Uh, my 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 disappointment is the zonal marking that we haven't perfected yet. Um, you guys, you guys a fan of the zonal marking, or do you th- or do you think we should ditch it, or do you think it's going to uh, work better when we got Mina and Zuma in there?
2: Yeah, I think you've you've got it in one. I, 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 I think it was Jamie Carragher who said um, after that game that zonal marking. Uh, two two things really. It works more when you've got big strong players who can attack the ball in their zone um, and. That's something we didn't have on the pitch against Southampton, but something we probably will have on the pitch very soon, as you say, Mina and Zuma. And managers tend to like zonal marking a lot because they can train it. You can't really train uh, man marking very much on the training ground because every team does a different routine. Every team you come up against has a different sort of way of taking uh, set pieces, whereas zonal marking remains the same. So I've not got a problem with it. I understand why people do have a problem with it, but... um, It'll get better, it'll get better. It's going to, there'll be some pain when it comes to goals conceded with that at first, especially with the likes of Keane and Holgate at the back because they're smaller than Mina and Zuma. but I don't have a problem with it. I think it'll get better as time goes on. Uh, I agree in
1: part that, obviously, it has its advantages and its disadvantages, and one of the advantages, as you you mentioned, is just how how easy it is to train. You know, you've got your areas in the box where you want to be in and around and wherever the ball comes in and around, you know, that's your ball. Um, I, I've just been just been writing an article on it then and I, I'm, obviously I think it could just be a matter of personnel whether when the likes of Mina and Zuma come in, you know, it, it could be an issue that resolves itself with that. But in, in Keynes Keane's and, and Holgate's perspective, I think it just might just be a matter of drilling it more and more and more because I think it's been a long-standing problem. That that been here before last season almost that we've we've just not been stronger defending balls to come into the box, um, whether that's just taking another look over your shoulder, checking your surroundings. Uh, as you say, it's a matter of trainer and yeah, going forward as I said, Zuma and Mina might absolve that problem, but I I, I am disappointed in it because it seemed to be us giving silly goals away from it.
2: I definitely think it is a personnel thing though because. The last couple of years, that the centre backs we've had, they've physically they've not been imposing strong centre backs. We've got Ashley Williams, Phil Jagielka. And ironically, Funes Mori physically was probably one of the better players for attacking Mm. the ball. It was when he had hold of the ball in possession that he was a problem. But obviously, Mina has been, you would hope, bought with that in mind because if there's nothing else, he's a big, strong, like powerful center half, so it, maybe that is something that Silver's identified as a problem. We if he wants to play this way, he needs players like that. Yeah. Uh
0: yeah. I mean I, I think both of you bring good good points that I really can't argue with either one of them. Uh, I do think Holgate and Keane will get better at that. I think they've they've had some things kinda of drilled into them and they're working it out. I, I don't I don't think I think both of them played great games too. For the most part, uh, I guess it was just—it's just upsetting when it feels like the system lets you down rather than one player let a man slip. It was literally like they just let him chill <laughs> right there in the middle. No, and and uh, I get it—you didn't expect it to get there, but still, um, it's a frustrating goal. That's that's what I think we need to work on as a team more—is cutting down on these silly opportunities the other teams have gotten. Uh, I almost said. Uh, Pickford was one of my disappointments but then you know I remembered you know he bobbled that ball but he made a fantastic save right after it you know mm-hmm. he got a hand on that to deflect it onto the onto the woodwork you know and so you make up for your mistake cool <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't I can't really you know complain a lot if you if you could manage to do that that was that was a great save saved his own blushes really Mm. Uh, and
1: uh, j- just just on the defence as well, I-, I know we mentioned that the way you said things just seems to be just lurking about with no one around them. That that was it, didn't go in directly from the corner. It was a little you know, deflection, second, wasn't it? The, it, was, it was the second ball, and in your own box, that close to, you, it, it, to your own goal mouth, any second ball should be the defences. You know, if the ball mm. starts bouncing to the that should be clear in them after the seconds, yeah. and it comes in part with the zone marking I think the-, the only way you kind of fix that is drilling and drilling and drilling
0: a scale from one to ten how ridiculous is the Pickford possible red card conversation I think it's ridiculous because he doesn't have any time to pull his foot out of there and Ings continues to run you know I I don't really know what he could have done there uh for some reason Hughes thinks he's uh they've been unjustly treated I just, I mean, I think, I think it's a nine on a scale of ten of being ridiculous conversation.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just honestly, it's it's just Mark Hughes all over. He's just a miserable moaning <laughs> idiot. And, and I'm and I'm sorry, they both running for a, a loose ball. The keeper clearly gets there first. And then Danny Ings jumps with his back to the player and the ball, so he's out of control. That's like running into somebody's fist. Did you punch them? No, they ran into my fist. So it's, ju- it's a non-starter. It's just Mark Hughes had set his team up to foul Everton all day anyway. And then has the, the audacity to come out after the game and complain that a player should have been sent off against against one of him, one of his players. Yeah. Definitely,
1: and, and uh, now you've mentioned that that was I that was something that we were making notes of during the game, just how dirty Southampton were. Yeah. I think oh that that, mid, that that midfield partnership, Lamina and or yeah, You know, you, you're gonna take a kicking against that midfield, and to, for, for Hughes to come out and say that in, in his post-match interview, it, it, it's just a bit laughable. You know, the way he was mentioning how. Pickford's foot was raised and, you know, the points that Terry raised there, he, it was, you know, it was a 50-50 ball. Pickford got there first and he was clearing. But one of the one of the points that get raised that, that was mentioned, that it gets mentioned when it comes to, like, 50-50s on the ground as well, the follow-through. Some, you can't help follow-through no. at times, you know. If, if, that's, if that's the position of your, your leg, clearing the ball, you know, you're going to maintain that position in the air, you know even when the ball sails away you can't automatically adjust your body position to you know go straight standing up still in the middle of the air and it's a, it's a game of football you know you take you take a bit of a pattern it's just the way it is
2: Plus, if he doesn't jump with his back jump into the air with his back to the opposition player then he doesn't get touched by the follow through he he basically you spoke about this a lot with penalties last year it's whoever initiates the contact if a player runs into an outstretched leg that player has initiated the contact. I am I just don't. It's just a non-starter. It's mm. not a sending off. It's a. It's a bit of a tasty sort of gash across the back of his, um, or scratch across the back of it off his back, bottom of his back. But I'm. I'm sorry. No, it's not. A, it's not a sending off. He's jumped into Pickford's foot as he's cleared mm. the ball. Top and bottom of it.
0: Yeah, Southampton really lucky to finish with eleven. I I could have seen a second yellow, many times. Right, it was. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's kind of it, it's cool that these teams feel like they have to foul us like that to be competitive. Uh, but even regardless, past that, uh, I it, it should have been should not have been two to one. I feel like we should have won by more. You know, mm. not to sit there and be some cocky jerk. I, I'm never going to be a cocky jerk about ever because you know that's just not the way we're built. But still. I, I think the play on the field merited a larger victory. Just saying. Yeah, mm.
1: definitely in the first half.
2: Ings is a little idiot anyway, who was giving it all that. Um, with Pick uh, Coleman last year in the derby, big hard man, mm. but now he's on his back. It's like, so, Chuck, get banged, idiot. <laughs> I-, I think the... Um, I think the game was quite good because it showed the first half is where Silva wants to go and the second half is where he's coming from. So it's quite a good acid test game where you can see like some of the problems that's still there and then some of the things that Silva's trying to put in place, like the good football, the interplay with the forwards. But then obviously the second half you see some of the bad habits creeping out, like the, the silly defending. But, you know, hopefully he'll get there.
0: All right. Overall, I guess we're happy, guys. I feel good. I feel really, really optimistic. I felt good after watching Everton play on Saturday. That was awesome. I I was just uh, literally the whole rest of the weekend just floating. The teams I normally support all won. It was nice. It's a good day. Nice. So um, uh, I guess that's it for our Southampton reaction. So, uh, guys, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the guy who wore the armband on Saturday. Uh, It's somebody that I feel like we've been clamoring for this guy to get a shot at captain for a while now. Um, Obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, you know we're talking about Seamus Coleman. Um, Gentlemen, uh, let's start with Max. Is Seamus Coleman the best candidate to to be captain for Everton? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, I think so and I don't think much more needs to be said other than before the game obviously the, the team had come out lining up in front of the Gladys Street and the, you know, the names are getting read out the announcer goes, number 23 and captain Seamus Coleman and the roar that got from the crowd, uh, it, just, it, just, it speaks levels of that was something that we wanted to happen and, and now it's something that has happened and the fact that he got the armband. The Heather Leighton Baines, who's usually the deputy, I think that that goes to show that the club are, are taking note of the of the the changes that we want to happen. Um, I think I think you know, obviously he's captain at Ireland, and he's always you know, I don't I don't want to say mouthy because he's not exactly a mouthy mouthy person. Because you know, if you've ever met James Coleman, you know he's quite possibly the nicest professional footballer you could ever meet in your life. But um, he's just, you know, he's straight talk and shoots from from the hip, which are qualities that you need in the captain. And he's he's not, he'll never back out of a challenge on the pitch. That's exactly what you want.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's ideal to be captain. I mean, there's a reason people are clamoring for him to be it, just because the way he speaks, the way he carries himself, he's, the clubs had a lot of player recycling over the past several years, and he's one of the ones who's who's managed to get through. And he's he's been here a long time, so he understands the club. He's come through the right way. He hasn't had it all given to him. He, he came from the Irish League, which is, you know, it's quite you know it's rough. It's not like he's been pampered since uh, when it, since he first broke through as a footballer. So he gets it. He gets our fans. He gets our club. He. He says the right things, he wants to achieve things with Everton. He's just the natural choice to be the next captain. And I, I think that is probably what's going to happen, because if you there's a small clip that Everton put out of him, um him around the game on Saturday, and you see as they're going off the pitch at a full time that Silver puts his arm around Coleman as they're going down the steps. So maybe Silver sees him as his captain, like I'm going you know, this beginning of a new sort of era at the club this guy can be my captain. Because, well, you've got Elka and Baines there who also came through the same way that Coleman did. They're not guaranteed starters in their positions anymore just because of age, whereas Coleman very much is. So I, I think it's a no-brainer. I think they it'll happen as soon as Elka is not at the club because I don't think they'll be so disrespectful to take it from him. But I, I think for, for now, Coleman will be the captain on the pitch and then probably from next summer he'll be the captain of the club outright and rightly so.
0: Yeah, it's one thing, the example that he sets with his play and effort and training. That's that's one thing. You know, leading by example is one thing. That's, that's a big deal. I feel like you need that, right? But there's something else that he does that I feel like I don't really know that, that Jags does this. Coleman holds people accountable,
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay? It's his teammates. It's the opposition. It's the officials, the referees. He, if, if his teammate does something stupid, he's on him. If another player comes in with a rash challenge on one of his teammates, he's on him. You know, like if, if he's on the opposition, he's on the referees if they do something boneheaded. You know, I, I want a captain that has no problem going up to the referee and, and saying, Look, that sucks, man. <laughs> how, can, yeah. how you know how can you how can you give him a yellow that's his first that's his first foul this half you know what do, you, what do you, what's going on here you know what i mean like that kind of stuff being able to just get in the referee's shit you know I, I and i love the fact that he's not afraid if somebody comes in with a ridiculous tackle on him he'll turn around and be like that's ridiculous what are you doing i mean yeah. think about what he's gone through he doesn't want that to happen to anybody else you know, yeah. he's just the, his. The fact that he is, he holds everyone accountable to standards. You know, I, 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 I can't think of anyone else in the squad.
1: Yeah, who does I, that. I, I, good that you mentioned that because who, who was it that got sent off? It was right in front of the away fans. I can't remember the game, but it was on Baines. Someone went in, stood up on Baines. It might have been last season. Is it the end more? Of- more at, um, Huddersfield. I think it was. Yeah, some- yeah. And as he was com- as he was coming off. Like Sheamus coming up, wagging a finger in his face, and as Jerry said, that you know that's a product of of his experience from breaking his leg, and you know he he's he, he just one of those players. He's been there, done that, and you know if he speaks, it's something of value. You know it's something worth listening to, and if you remember before the season started, when he was on duties with Ireland, when he when he was talking about. I, I, you know, to kind of go to the point of accountability, he was meant. He was mentioning, you know, last season we've been through God knows how many managers over the last few years. You know, it's time for the players to stand up and be counted. And I, I, as Jerry said, that's, that's something that we've needed for so long.
2: Yeah, a good captain sets the the tone for the whole club. I think. I think every player sort of, has to, if they're a good captain, sort of looks to them and has to sort of get in line with them and is afraid to sort of. Upset them and, and he knows they're answerable to him, and that's inward, but outwards I think they're the face of the club as well. And you just think, well, who who's the who's the leader at that particular club? And if you look around the clubs, you, you can see the better teams have better captains, and I don't just mean they've got the best players as a captain. But if you look, if you look at all the best, all the the best teams in the league, like Company at City, he's not playing every week. But if you see anything any Company talk at all. He's a really intelligent, really like eloquent, um, articulate guy. Like he gives like big speeches to the players and all that. It's like you can tell he, he carries himself like the leader of that team. And I think that's what Coleman is, and will cont- and will grow even more to be for our players. Because as I, as as I've said, there's been a lot of player recycling, so a lot of the players haven't been here that long. Some of the more experienced players, experienced at Everton, have only been here t- like two years. He like had two full seasons here, so it's the captain's role is the, is really important right now, and I, I think Coleman's just perfect for. It.
0: Yeah, and I think the the thing with that I look to is also the fact that it's natural for him. He's doing all this stuff because it comes naturally. It's the way he is. He's not thinking. And there are some people who are deliberate like this, and it's obvious. They think oh, I should be doing this to take a leadership role. So I am going to go and, you know, give my teammate shit because he didn't do what he was supposed to. You know, and, it, and it's this very deliberate, it, but Seamus just does it because it's what he thinks is, he's, he, it's what he's supposed to do. He's like, no, yeah. I, I need to do this. And I feel like that's just so natural. It's impossible to ignore that. You know, that is a natural captain. And it's not someone who you're like, wow, that's a good player. Let's give him captain because he's a good player.
2: This is not a popular thing, but I remember um, about 2009, the year we finished and it went to the FA Cup final. I remember when Coleman that year, he was quite young at that point. He used to always get a load of abuse on the pitch when he made the mistake off Phil Neville. And that's mm. why it's popular because Phil Neville was not a popular captain. But he, he, you know, you don't know what he was like off the pitch. And on the pitch, he certainly was vocal and tried to be a good captain. Whether he was a good player is another matter. But I, I always remember that whenever Coleman at right back, because he was very new to right back at that point, would lose yeah. the players in behind him or he'd lose the ball. Phil Neville would be right over to him, and you could tell Coleman was taking his medicine. And I think he's learnt a lot from that. I think being around squads that have had um, C- Phil Neville in it has taught him in the very early stages how to be a captain whether you like Phil Neville or not he's from the old school as well from the Alex Ferguson sort of era yeah. so even if he was not worth having on the pitch he certainly he he probably went about things the way Alex Ferguson would have liked a captain too so that's probably why Coleman now in a large part is such a, a good fit to be a captain because he's learned like that yeah. um so yeah and
0: I'm I are we all in agreement we're kind of Hoping he sticks around as, as captain the entire rest of the season, yeah? And moving forward?
2: Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh,
0: all right. So uh, that is it for our Coleman as captain segment. So, guys, we, uh, we have to have a conversation about uh, Mola. All right, uh, Adam Olukman, uh talented young guy we brought in from Charlton. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen the flickers of greatness. He's, he's a quality young player. Uh, we haven't seen as much consistency, but one would think that that's going to come with, uh, with training and with maturation. Uh, however, he's been moping pretty much ever since he got back. Just kind of, apparently Silva's not happy with what he's seen in training. Uh, So there's been that. And then recently he came out and said, look, he's been trying harder. He can do better. So there's that. (laughs) And then he put him in the squad and he got him up to warm up. And it looked like, I think, didn't it flash on the screen that he was going to come in? And then Mm. he didn't. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's some weird stuff going on with Lookman. It seems like he's drag-assing to get a move to Leipzig. And with Leipzig planting all this stuff in the media, we don't really know what to believe. So, uh, Terry, you want to you wanna lead on Lookman? Because this... I don't know, it seems pretty cut and dry as, as a blue, how we should feel about this.
2: You know what I mean? Um, It's a complicated one now, isn't it? Because on the one hand, he's a very good player. And I don't think anyone wants him to go based on his ability but I think a lot of stuff's coming out now, like there's low, there's rumours of three bids and then good sources say there's only been one, but then other sources say there's been there's been more, but that could just be agents playing games, clubs playing games. It's hard to know who to believe, but, but one thing that I am noticing is the way Luckman is carrying himself across this whole situation is turning a lot of people against him, so if it T- ends up that he does end up staying and he doesn't go, which I think will happen. I don't see him going in this window. He's gonna struggle because even if he gets his head down, he's gonna have to win a few people back on side because his attitude is rubbing people up the wrong way. Especially when you contrast it with Richarlison, who sort of can't do no wrong at the minute. He's playing really well and he's like endearing himself to loads of fans. And it's just just chalk and cheese the two of them. So it's a it's. Just gonna rumble on until the windows actually shut for the whole of Europe, I think. That yes. attitude problem that, that Terry mentioned, I th- I
1: really do think that's a product of last season. We know the kind of standoff that are, that occurred between Luckman and Allardyce. And again, that's certain, that's another problem to have with Sam Allardyce. But if they, so let's say let's say that never happened, let's say You know, we all know that Allardyce lined him up a a loan deal for the championship. But let's say that that didn't happen. Let's say Allardyce, you know, more than happy, let him go to Germany. If he come back and was met with these open arms by Silva, it it, it might be an entirely different situation. I really do think Luckman's attitude towards Everton stems from last season and just how much of a catastrophe it was. And from a young person's perspective, I can't really blame him. You know, he's not a supporter of the club, he's not a local lad. I you know, you'd be a bit turned off if, if you were coming back to a club that was in as much of a mess as Everton was at the time. But the, the you know, the, we've mentioned that this the shift that seems to be happening under Silver is something I think that's worth sticking around for. I, I know I know a lot of journalists have come out and said, Oh, you know, Everton have brought in Richard House and Bernard. And he's going further down the peck and all that. I really don't think that's the case because I think we 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 know just how valuable Luckman is. And th- these these bids that have been rumored—they've been between you know fourteen, eighteen, twenty-two. Give Luckman a few years, he'd be worth upwards of forty, fifty million. Mm. I, I I really do believe he's just got that aura and those qualities about him that he could be one of these players that you know make a bit of a rumble in the transfer market. He... He could fit into many different systems, and I just—I I really do hope this is something that gets resolved because I'm sick of seeing young, talented players eventually leave the club. But that being said, I'm—I'm I'm a strong believer that if you don't want to play for the club, then you're wasting everybody's time, and you shouldn't really be here.
0: Yeah, I'm—I do not prescribe to the theory <laughs> that. Uh, he's lower on the pecking order. I think he has been brought up the pecking order this season. I think Silva sees talent. I think Braun sees talent. Uh, Walcott, Richarlison, Bernard, Lookman. There's your four wingers. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have four wingers now. Okay, any of those, any combination of those. Can give you some kind of electric charge, either off the bench or starting. Any of any of that combination doesn't matter. You need backup, and you need capable backup that can slot in to yeah. start and even exchange if it's not the right I just, matchup. I just want to
1: say cause that, that, that that's a really good point and something that's been really getting on me nerves lately. Right, I know it, it might at first it seems a bit off topic, but it, it, honestly, it, it makes a point. Right, in me in your fantasy football, one of the biggest nightmares is picking a Man City player because Man City have got so much strength and depth that you know you don't know what starting 11 they're going to field you know mm-hmm. you should look on the opening day you got Kevin De Bruyne on the bench and if, if this is an element that we can work into the club where we've got quality on the bench you look at you know the form that Richarlison and Walcott are in at the minute you know just, just this weekend gone Richarlison got another goal and Walcott got a goal mm-hmm. and an assist probably should have had two goals but we'll leave it at that you know the, the but on form, you can't drop those two at the minute. And you, as a player that's you know waiting for your chance, you can't have a hissy fit over that. If players are playing well, they're gonna you know they're gonna be in the team. And you know you've just got to bide your time, and uh, and chance will come most definitely.
2: I mean, I I don't see this being ending in in him suddenly. St- Mm. turning his attitude around and being happy to be here i think he's going to go it's just a case of when and for how much i don't think for one minute that we're going to sell him this window we've sold morales we've sold Balassi. we've said like so that point of him going down the pecking order was a joke I-, I saw that comment as well so you know he's gone yeah. up the pecking order as you said there's walcott richarlson and um, bernard unproven in this league so you don't know, and Luckman. So he's now part of the four wide forwards. He's got a more, uh, and he's been publicly backed by the manager, the new manager. That oh yeah, I see him as a big player. He's the future, and he's the present. So all the conditions that he would want to have if he was looking to stay are there, and he still seems unhappy. So I just I think what what will happen is we'll keep him will use him. His attitude will probably improve slightly. Um, where to the point where he actually, you know, warms up properly and whatnot and all that gust stops. But I think in January when we're able to properly properly replace him, then I think he'll be allowed to go for a good bid, that is, which yeah. they Done. And then when we'll just buy someone else to replace him. But I think if if our transfer window was still open now, I think we'd entertain more bids from Leipzig because of the player's attitude. But now I think it'll be a a autumn sort of stint at Everton, and then he'll probably get his move in January. I just these things where the players are really, really determined to go. didn't they really resolve themselves in a positive way for the club? The players, just how often do you see a player change his attitude? Enough that he likes where he once didn't like it just I just don't see it mm-hmm. and it's sad he's a very good player I don't want him to go yeah. but I can't see any other resolution
1: January you can bump up the valuation too so
2: and that
0: yeah see I look at Sandro Sandro came back and actually seemed like he had a better attitude mm. this summer. You see pictures of him. He's smiling. He's actually getting along with people. He's joking around. He seems like he wants to be there. And I think if he leaves, it's because Silva said, you're not going to play that much, man. I'm sorry. I think he would want to be here. Mm. I think he's gotten to the... I think he has turned. And he's someone who said, no, do not want to go back. Do not want to go back. And he's he's been a professional, which is I didn't see happening. I thought if anybody was going to grumble and complain, it was going to be Sandro.
2: Yeah you know, because he had already said, I want out. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I think that's a lot to do with the manager. I think if Allardyce was still here, then, as well as the fans wouldn't be turning up, I don't think he'd have turned up either. He <laughs> agreed <laughs> want to be here. And the, I think the manager said, listen, you've got a chance and he played him more than anyone else in season. So we gave him a chance. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he goes, then it won't be because he wasn't tried or he, he didn't try. It'll just be because we won't have any place for him. But no, I'm totally there with you. That I was surprised by the way he came back. I think I think that that yeah. that's also down to
1: the the success that he experienced on the loan spells, and I know I know a lot's been said, you know, when you mention Lukman and his stint at Leipzig, you know, oh, he didn't get that many goals or that many assists, but he thrived in the system. He really looked like a match for the system. Whereas Sandro, on the other hand. You know, he wasn't getting played week in, week out, and he didn't look yeah. as sharp in the severe system. Mm-hmm. And I think that that that's almost like it, you know, it's an as a player, it's an addictive feeling. If you're in a system that gets the most out there, you want to be in that system. The, the most definitely the Everton system last season, it bloody hell, I can't I can struggle to name one player it was getting the best out of. But now with Silva. I, I agree that I can't see it being resolved, but I'd, I, you know, I'd love to see it given a crack, because I do think Luckman can thrive.
2: I think Luckman long-term as well. Like, I mean, I don't, you don't know, but I'd be very surprised if he actually wants to stay in Germany. I just think he sees that as his best route yeah. into another club. So I think he thinks, I'll go and put to a year in Germany, really turn it on, and then come back to, say, a Tottenham or a, or a Chelsea, who Let's be real, Everton are going to be a lot more resistant to selling to because they're financially able to tell them no than Leipzig will. Leipzig, if they if they get a world-beater out of Luckman for a year and a half or a year, then Tottenham come call them or Chelsea come call them at like 40-50 million. Leipzig will go, thank you very much, next. And I think that's what Luckman ultimately wants and he thinks it's harder to get out of Everton than it is to get out of Leipzig because... He's a kid. I just don't believe he wants to go and relocate long term to Germany. The same way all the other players, like Jadon Sancho at Dortmund, and all that, are going to sort of give themselves mm-hmm. tactical career moves to, to come back as stars without having to break into the Premier League teams that there are.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think it also may be an environmental thing. You know, it could be the fact that he was more comfortable just being at Leipzig, period. You know, maybe it's just he didn't mix well in the surroundings. You know, maybe there's something to that. I heard there's something about, about uh, like, we, we knew about the homesickness thing, which may or may not have been bullshit. Uh, I heard a, a rumor that he may have had some kind of encounter as far as uh, somebody robbing him. <laughs> Again, that may be total bullshit, but if that, if that happened to you, that could shake you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That could really screw with you, and it would make footballing reasons not even relevant. So if it is something in that, wheel, in that realm, I would understand it. However, dude, if Leipzig want you, they will pay the fee. That's the main thing. That's the cut-and-dry thing that I'm angry about. Okay, Lookman, <laughs> man, baby, if they want you, they will pay the money. Okay, we have a. Uh, this is how much you're worth a lot to us. We like you. We want you here. And if you leave, we want to get paid because we paid for you and we develop. We've been developing you, you know, or trying to. Mm, definitely. <laughs> you know, so I j- just pay the fee, Leipzig. That's that's all, and, and then you get the player who wants to be there, and we get reimbursed for a, a emerging talent that we spotted.
2: Well. Yeah as well and plus it's got to be said as well when Premier League teams come calling for these good players these star players at other teams in Europe the price goes through the roof. Marcel Brand said that Mm -hmm. there's a certain premium that comes when a Premier League club wants to buy a player they jack the price up because they know we can afford it. Well if you want to come and buy one of our players you're going to pay as well. Like We're not just here to like sell for not for low and buy for high no there's got to be you know especially when we don't want to sell the player i understand if we're trying to get rid of a player we're not going to get a big fee because we're not in a good position but we don't want to sell this player we want him to be one of our four wide forwards and they're determined to get him whether he wants to leave or not that's the only reason we're even talking to another club pay the money if you want this player meet our valuation which mm-hmm. frankly is i think 30 million it sounds ridiculous say it's not a lot it isn't, not now, like when players are going for all kinds and you've got all the added premiums, like you know, he's on a long contract, he's English, so that helps towards our quota, everything. Pay that if, if you are gonna if want him, make it worth our while because otherwise we're not selling him. Yeah. So,
0: anyway, this this gives me a headache talking about Lookman. <laughs> just like that guy's got an opportunity to play professional football. I just – it just makes me angry. Sorry. I'm just like, you're, you're with us, and we want to play you, man. If you were complaining about playing before, now we want to play you. We, we even brought in a new guy because we knew you you players were not happy. You know what I mean? Mm. So, anyway, I just hope he gets taken care of soon, you know. Uh, best case scenario is he does turn his attitude around, but as Terry mentioned, not likely. Mm. So, all right.
2: Hey, cool. it's just not common, is it? It's just
0: not common. <laughs> no, uh, not impossible though. Yeah, Mola, turn around. We want you to play. We like you. Let's do this. Come on. We don't. We don't want, want any more negative comments about you. All right, so uh, guys, that's. Uh, I guess that's it for uh, the Lookman situation, or as I like to call it, Look Man. Ha. I didn't just make that up. I pre-joked that yesterday and brought it back. Hmm. Hey. So gentlemen, let's, uh, let's finish up, uh, the show with some transfer rumors of yesteryear. Um, I'm going to, I'll, I'll spit these out and you guys give me your thoughts on them because you possibly remember them. Uh, August 2008, Everton are ready to go head-to-head with Man City to win the battle for Sean Wright Phillips. I think we're (laughs) trying to get him from Chelsea
2: on loan. You guys remember that?
1: No, I can't. I can't.
2: (laughs) I I, I remember being linked with him, maybe. We had no money at that point, so why the hell would we be after him? Like, he, he went to Chelsea for a massive fee well a massive fee then and it was just a controversial move because they were stockpiling players even then because they didn't want to use them so well, to come back, that was right before City had made it big so I, that would have been please can we have that player back and maybe they, we were both in on long, maybe they couldn't afford them either so that, the only way it would make sense is if at that time we were both in for long but uh, mm-hmm. I don't really remember it No, yeah, I can I- I- I can't. According
0: to the story, uh, it said that he didn't factor into the manager's plans, and so that's that's why we were moving.
2: He was a great player, him. He was he was very underrated. Well, not underrated. People knew he was good, but like I don't know why they never used him. He was so hard to get the ball from because he had such a low center of gravity because he was so small and so fast that no one could tackle him because it was too hard to like like Rio Ferdinand or someone would just have a nightmare with him because he couldn't yeah. actually tackle him. Just because the physics of it didn't work. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. Uh, Is this the same Wright Phillips that played for QPR uh, about, was it four or five seasons ago when they were still in the Premier League?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he played with a Delta Delta Raptor and and that, didn't he, at QPR? Was that not Bradley Wright Phillips? Uh, Because isn't that the one that plays it? New York Red that's,
0: that, that's New York Red Bulls. And I, I'm that's sure God's
1: he's Red been at New York Red Bulls for a long time, yeah. hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, because he, he scored his 100th goal not too long ago, so he's been at it.
2: A... I think so. I mean, Sean Ray Phillips badly did, did go, badly go off the boil eventually, but at the time that you are talking about, he was quite good, but mm. he, he sort of nosedived not long after that, mm. but that was probably because of bad... Career decisions. I remember Harry Redknapp taking him out in a press conference saying that he wouldn't move um, to play football on loan because he didn't want to take a uh, sorry, not on loan, uh, an actual sale because nowhere else could afford his wages. So he he was one of those players in the end who was more interested in in the the financial side rather than the football side. So, game. So, moving
0: on to. Let's see here. Let's go to uh, February 2009. Tafis missed out on Kuranyi on deadline day. Evidently, we had a loan deal for the Shaka forward uh, kind of slip and fall down right on deadline day. And according to the story that I read, it said that Shaka wouldn't let him go on loan.
1: I, I, I do remember that because, as you know, you know I'm a big fan of me German football and Kriani was part of the kind of evolution of the German national team. I know he, in that, during that time he was heavily involved with the national team set-up. and it was kind of in the in the mid period of integrating the likes of Schweinsteiger, Balach, Podolski, all those kind of top level players. And you know, what I'm like any opportunity to see a German international play, for ever another I'd have loved it, but obviously it wasn't to be.
2: Took me ages then to try and remember who that was, Kevin Corona. Yeah, he was, a, he was quality. Yeah. That, that to me, this is very cynical, but that to me smells a lot like one of those uh links that was put out when we didn't do any business on deadline day. So they're like, hmm, look what we nearly did. Like, did you? Did yeah, Kevin Corona's never spoke to ever. never. I'd put my, <laughs> put my house on that at that time, he wouldn't have come, and that time we couldn't have afforded him. And you no, know, I, I. I am of the opinion that at that time, first spell, when things were going badly in the transfer market, a certain high-up director at Everton would tell some friends in the local media to put some stories out to sort of ease the uh, the frustration of the supporters. That's the cynical view, or it's a l- legitimate rumour that came from no-one in particular, but that's my opinion.
0: That does not happen in American sports. It does <laughs> not happen. You don't hear, like... The Chicago Bulls, you know, putting out stories that oh, we barely missed out on LeBron. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't really say that to to pacify their fans. Like you don't hear mm. that as much. It's not something that it's something that I first started hearing about and noticing way more in in English football. You know,
2: yeah. I think the players are less vocal with English football than than a lot of like big big players in American sports. Like they no one's asking karanye to just speak to Everton because the local um Merseyside media mentioned it. No one nobody asks him for his take on it. Whereas if say the, the Chicago Bulls said that about LeBron, they'd ask LeBron <laughs> and be like, did mm-hmm. you nearly sign it? Like, no. That is such a legit point.
0: That is yeah. that is very yeah. legitimate because they are they are super vocal. Like all of I would say the I would say you know, football, not American football, but football is the sport where they're the least vocal on social media. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like here in America, you know, out of all the sports. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it could be that just because you see less of it because it has less of a following in America compared to basketball, compared to American football, compared to baseball. You know, so. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. I don't feel like the listeners are caring about American stuff right now anyway i have a feeling majority of them are in britain and are like why are you doing that so lastly let's finish up with uh something from july 2012 fulham will outpace everton to sign Hugo Rodallega, striker for uh, wigan wigan uh, yeah uh the hell? apparently I mean, we, we used to be connected with him a lot yeah, yeah
1: we we did we really did. I, I remember that really well because he always seemed to want, he, he used to be one of those players that used to pop up with a goal. You know, and he, like we, we've got them now, you know, like to uh, Giroux, Ings being another one of them, talking about them then for Southampton. Roddy Agus seemed to be one of these players that used to have a, you know, really good game against Everton and he was just, you know, a standout player in the Wigan side. Um, Around the time, I'm thinking July 2012, I, I look back a, a, around 2012, 2013 quite fondly. I, I remember it being that that's the first season where Man City won the league. And I, I know it's quite, quite typical, I remember it because we finished above Liverpool. But um, uh, Jelovic came in, I think, was that the, the January of th- 2013? So at, but before then, I, I remember, obviously, we, had, we kind uh, of. Had, that was 2012, because the following year was the Euros, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, and he played for us when he was in the Euros, wasn't he? But I'm, I, I, when looking back at Everton around them times, I always think, was it them years where we were alternating between Tim Cale and Maram Fellaini up front, and did we really just need a striker, like an actual striker? But where, where, obviously, when it goes towards you know your two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen, I, I remember Jalovic coming in and just being an absolute sensation in that first season. So
2: yeah, we definitely did need a striker for that long. Because look what happened when we got one. That Moyes team got Martinez in, and then he got Lukaku on loan. And the second we had a proper striker in that team, we now finished fourth, and we were battering mm. Arsenal. And every we were that was one of the best like seasons I've seen Everton. Just because it was that Moyes team with a striker that, it, that yeah. he never had. And obviously, a, a new manager was a little bit more forward like attacking-wise, um, but still had the defence to get him through. <sighs> it, that season was what Moyes' um, team could have been if he'd have got a striker. I know he was only on loan Lukaku, and if Moyes would have got that, or Jelovic had not had fell off a cliff, then we could, the things we could have done while Moyes was here is unbelievable. Because he did whatever you think of him. I went off him in the end, but... He built some a good team before he left.
1: We yeah, we we were we were playing some good football in his last season. Like, I think the highlight of that, do you remember his last home game against West Ham? And mm. I think it was the Morales goal. We was just ping we, you know, we used to just, just ping the ball about that like for a laugh on the I car, hope. playing some really good stuff.
2: I always remember that match because they were singing West Ham at us, Where's your Moisey gone? And then we sang back at them,
1: you have got channel. And then a couple of years
2: later they had David Moyes and we had some, so <laughs> like, I don't think either of us were happy at that point. So, <laughs> oh, well,
1: uh, Football,
2: eh? I know. Uh,
0: so guys, that's it for, uh, our, our transfer rumors of yesteryear. Um, and that's it for the big show, uh, podcasters out there. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, <laughs> please, uh, Rate the Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast if you can. We'd appreciate it. Leave a kind review if, if you are so inclined. Um, also, uh, please subscribe to the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. Just, uh, we're just we right around 1,100. We, we passed 1,000 last week or so, and it's feeling good. So we've had a lot of support there. So if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, check us out there too. Um, now, as far as these individual folks... Uh, Terry can be found, uh, on the, uh, Liverpool Echo fan jury. He'll be there. All right. So, uh, check him out now that the season has started and Max on the Toffee Blues website. So, uh, yeah, he's got a piece on there. Five things we learned from the, uh, match versus Southampton. Uh, also just check out the Toffee Blues, uh, website in general. There's a lot of analysis on there. Check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we're out guys. Uh, yeah, that's it for Terry. You take it easy for Max.
1: See you later. Up to Toffees
0: and for me, everybody. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.